This episode of Equity is presented by MetaLab. MetaLab designs and builds products for companies that are expecting massive growth. Slack, YouTube, and Uber are just a few of the startups that hired MetaLab on their way to becoming household names. They're the product agency that helped design the original version of Slack and the YouTube player that is still in use today. Last year, MetaLab collaborated with the founding teams at Neuralink and Pitch. Unlike a lot of other agencies, MetaLab doesn't claim to be full service. They do one thing and they do it really well, and that's digital products. If you're ready to build a product for millions of people, then visit metalab.com. Tell them TechCrunch Equity sent you. Hey, everybody, stick around after the show. We have TechCrunch's Jordan Crook here to tell us all about the upcoming early stage event for founders, and I think she has a discount code, so we'll see you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Equity. This is Alex, and we are taking a little bit of a right turn today on the Wednesday show. Instead of having the full panel of us here digging through one topic as a group with a guest or two, I'm going to speak to three different entrepreneurs who recently went through the Y Combinator Winter 21 batch. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about YC, but this time we're focused less on the companies themselves, even less on the founders, frankly, and more on the process of going through a virtual accelerator. If you think back to the last year, everything went virtual suddenly, frankly. And so when these things kicked off, no one had very high expectations for, you know, how good will a virtual demo day be or how you know close will a virtual demo day class end up? But really, you know, we're several cycles into this now. And so we really wanted to step down, take a minute and ask. So we've talked to Adam Alpert from Pangea, Benjamin Kroc from Brio HR and Trisha Bantig from Queenly. Coming up is a couple of observations from each from a different perspective. We have one company that is based in the US, but not in California one startup that is based in California itself, and one startup all the way around the globe. So we have three different perspectives, three different founders, three different companies, three different sets of questions, and one very good time just for you. So with that, we're going to kick off with Adam Alpert of Pangea.app telling us about what he built, why, and then we're into the questions. All right. So uh, to kick things off, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your founder journey that brought you to today. My name is Adam Alpert, and I am one of the co-founders of Pangea.app. Starting in middle school, I discovered my passion, and I was a freelance videographer. Came into possession of an early version of Final Cut. Don't remember how, but I found a version of it, and I was just absolutely hooked with the power that is filmmaking and the beauty it is uh, when you actually inspire an audience to, in my case, more often than not, laugh. I ended up at Brown in 2013, took every single production course they offered in the first year, and I was looking for more opportunities outside the classroom to spread my wings as a freelance videographer. And that led us to found Pangea.app, which today is providing the infrastructure that the next generation needs to freelance. We are a recent graduate from the Y Combinator Winter 21 batch, and it was just a phenomenal experience for us and something that we really wanted to do, even though it was remote, because we're actually based in a little little city called Providence, Rhode Island, and our whole team is here, and we're kind of at the center of the college universe. Would you have not pursued YC if it wasn't remote and you had to move to you know Mountain View, Sunnyvale in the Bay Area? We'll always do what's right for the company, and I think that no matter how we sliced it, YC was going to be a good thing for us to do. It just happened to be that because it was remote, it was just so much better. You know, we're at a point in our company journey where it is not just John, my co-founder and myself. We have a team of, of five of us that are full-time and we're all based here in Rhode Island. You know, a lot of us actually just live in a house together. 
So YC being remote allowed us to all continue to work together without having to make this decision on, are we going to leave Rhode Island for three months? And then what's going to happen beyond that? So that was just a conversation that we didn't even have to happen. And it allowed us to kind of snap right into YC the second we got accepted and stay heads down working on the business the whole way through. Do you think that it was a net positive then to do remote YC for Pangea? And then I'm curious if that sentiment holds for kind of the broader accelerator cohort that you were part of. I think that one of the biggest values of doing an accelerator program is just the forcing function of having an end to the program. So in YC's world, this is demo day. You know, so much of startups is, is so chaotic. You know, I really felt this when I graduated from school. You know, you're used to having a semester and you have a syllabus and you have due dates and midterms and you're getting graded and a professor telling you what to do. And you lose all of that when you start to build a startup. There's no deadlines, there's no syllabus, there's no accountability. And as a founder, you need to create that structure for yourself. But doing an accelerator creates this sense of urgency. You know, you get in and three months later, you're going to get up on stage and present your progress in front of the world. So flip it around. It sounds like there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that happened. What what was lost or what didn't go as well as you might have expected by the move to remote? I think all of us are just looking forward to a time in which we can see each other in person again. It's harder to build relationships over Zoom. I mean, 80% of, of communication is body language. And, you know, I'm sure that there is a certain magic to getting ripped to shreds by Michael Seibel in person that I missed out on. You know, I, I only got ripped to shreds from him, you know, over Zoom. And that was a very exciting, you know, experiential moment in my life. And I'm sure there's something that you miss when, when, when you're not in person. On top of that, you know, we, we've lost so much spontaneity. You know, these random collisions of talking to random founders that you're sitting next to at, at the demo day dinners. You know, and I think that's a broader problem right now with remote work is everything is so transactional and kind of set up and scheduled and, you know, put on a Zoom and you don't have those like random moments in between. And I think that a lot of the magic of YC is the community. One last thing before I let you go, TechCrunch has covered your company's funding history a couple of times now. Very curious to know how your experience was at the virtual demo day. And then uh, give us a sneak peek. What's, uh, you said mentioned, you know, investor interviews before. How's that going? Yeah, so uh, demo day was, was a trip. I mean, it's, they have a, such an amazing software system. For those of you who don't know, YC has like a demo day platform. And basically investors can like you. They can swipe right on you after you give your one minute pitch. So uh, we got a bunch of investor inbound, which was great. We've made some amazing connections. We've brought in some awesome angels in our round so far, some very strategic people who are going to be incredibly valuable, who I would have never have met if not for YC. And next up, we have Benjamin Kroc, a co-founder at Brio HR, who comes to us all the way from Malaysia. Take a listen. All right, there we go. Uh, to kick things off, Benjamin, would you please tell us a little bit about what Brio HR is and why you are building it? Sure. BrioHR is an all-in-one HR management platform for companies in Southeast Asia. Uh, so typically our clients will be uh, mid to large SMEs uh, from 50 to 500 employees. Uh, and the idea is to help them really digitize and, and improve the overall employee experience across the full employee spectrum. So from onboarding all the way up to exit, uh, including performance management, payroll, leads management, and all the other uh, activities that makes the day-to-day -day of uh, HR and also the other employees in the company. 
Thank you for that. I'm very curious though. You're over in, uh, it's, it's Malaysia, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm from Kuala Lumpur, uh, where, the, where the company is established and where we did actually uh, follow the Y Combinator program over the past few months. And I'm very curious about that because I knew the brand of Y Combinator was strong, but I didn't know it had reached all the way to Malaysia. So I'm curious, how long have you been familiar with Y Combinator? Yeah, I would trace it back when, as soon as I started Brio HR a few years back. Y Combinator was very prominent in all the resources that you could find online about how to uh, successfully start a company, how to then successfully run it, and so on. And, and of course, Y Combinator, uh, they produce a lot of resources. They are, of course, prominent with their huge track record in terms of producing very uh, famous and, and very successful startups. It really correlates with the beginning of my entrepreneur experience, I would say. Got it. Now, would you have pursued taking part in Y Combinator if you had had to move to California for three months? Or was it only possible because of the remote status of this particular cohort batch? Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. So I, I, I thought about it, actually. And, I, and I, so I, I, would, I would first say that I think it was an advantage for us to be able to do it remotely because it's more efficient in terms of being with our teams with our clients, also with our families. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit tricky to go three months at the, on the other side of the world, especially, I would say, during this specific time. Uh, but uh, having said that, you know, even if I say it's an advantage, I think even if it was mandatory for us to go on site and to do it, you know, in person in, in uh, San Francisco, we would have done it because for me, it's impossible to refuse. It's impossible to pass if you have the opportunity to attend Y Combinator. So, Again, if, if, if I have the choice, I do it from Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia all the time. If I have no choice, I still go for it. Okay. Now, how did you guys manage the time zone differential? Because you're about 12 hours, you're 15 hours off of, I think, the West Coast uh, of the U.S. So how difficult was that? How did you go about still making connections with other companies in the cohort? So definitely the, the time zone was a, was a big adjustment that we, that we had to do. Uh, so for sure, so it's 15 hours today, actually, but a few weeks back and even a few days back, it was 16 hours, so even, even more. The meetings were planned. Uh, I think they were very conscious of, I mean, the best they could do, actually, uh, about the time zone. So, so they really tried, even though it was in the middle of the night, and let's, let's say it, it was still early enough in the night so that we could then, you know, go on, have a, have a decent sleep, I would say, and then uh, start our second day with our uh, local um, clients, teams, and, 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 and time zone. So it, it was definitely a, at the beginning a few you know, trials and, and errors, maybe like, uh, okay, do I take a nap between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m.? Should I make it a short nap, a longer nap? You know, it was really about uh, trying to find a way to, to just sustain the rhythm. But, uh, but yeah, in, in the end, they, 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 managed to, they managed to do it. And, to their best uh, in, in terms of the, of the time zone. But it was a bit uh, tricky, definitely, uh, uh, a bit of a night all over the past few weeks and months. So one thing that uh, we always ask people going through YC is how their demo day experience went. And this was, as you said, the third time that we have seen, uh, I think, Y Combinator do a virtual demo day. And I think I've been to all of them. So I, I know my experience, but I'm, I'm very curious how it was for you guys to go through that 300-company gauntlet from halfway around the world. What was the experience like and uh, how has response been from investors so far for BrioHR? The actual experience uh, was very interesting. So first there was some kind of adrenaline. So I guess for, for me personally, when, I, when, I, uh, when my turn was up, it was maybe 2 a.m., but it was as if I was like um, in the middle of a normal day, very pumped and so on. In terms of you know, listening and discovering the 300 companies, because some of them I hadn't seen before, I didn't really interact closely before with, 
it was it was actually extremely uh, energizing because you you realize that so many people are doing so many things so many incredible things i have a question for you you and i spoke about three four weeks ago and you guys have put together about 1.3 million dollars ahead of demo day so i'm curious can you can you share what your goals were taking part in demo day and are you on track to meet them the funding that we raised before was really for a specific purpose, was really to, to basically get us off the ground, you know, accelerate the development of the platform, which is a very ambitious platform. I mean, we want to really cover the full spectrum of HR. So we needed basically this early support to really be able to build the early team and to, to be able to, to show and to demonstrate, I would say, our value proposition. We came to Demode with a really a, a desire to, to accelerate. One last question before I let you go, Benjamin, because I, I just kind of presume that every accelerator is going to be at least partially remote in the future, just given the internationalization of startup activity, just it's everywhere now. For startups that are going to be going through remote accelerators, what advice do you have about how to make it work well that you learned during the last couple of months? Yeah, so I would say first, take it extremely positively. You know, that's, that's back also to one of your first questions. Remote is, is great. We are all used to remote after one year. So yes, of course, uh, there are some, uh, you know, maybe some networking impact that could be stronger in person, but there will be uh, a lot of time down the line to this because we, we are alumni of the same accelerator, no matter which accelerator you go through, by the way. Uh, we are alumni of the same uh, accelerator, so we will meet each other over time. We will still be able to reach out to each other if we need anything and so on. So I would say really uh, embrace the, 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 the remote uh, aspect of it. And uh, the second thing that I would say, if possible, connect with at least a small pocket, I would say, of people who are might be, again, similar to your company or in the same time zone or any criteria, basically. That, that will still allow you to, to bond, I would say. And, and maybe the, the last practical tip, I used a, a background on my, on my Zoom and so on, which is a very uh, uh, bright background and so on. And I would say, I would recommend doing that because then people talking to you, they, they don't feel guilty that it's 3 a.m. where you are. And also it gives some more maybe energy uh, in the call compared to being in the middle of the night and so on. <laughs> Benjamin, thank you for your time. Uh, looking forward to talking to you more when you finish up this round. And we'll talk to you soon. And from California itself, we have Trisha Ben Teague, one of the co-founders over at Queenly. Let's go. Sure, thank you. So Queenly is the leading marketplace for the formal wear vertical. Our goal is to help all women of all ages and all sizes find the exact dress they're looking for. And I know this seems like such a no-brainer, but the reason why we exist is that so many different platforms dedicated for women's fashion shopping do not really cater to the different needs of women when it comes to searching for their perfect dress, whether it's for a wedding or quinceanera. There's just so many factors that these companies have not thought about, such as skin color, height, or body shape. And this is something that we want to solve for, promoting access and affordability to this kind of inventory. I love it. And you were just in the YC most recent batch, and you were actually based in California. We're, we're really curious about what it was like to do YC remote from a place that was like, you know, 20 miles away from where it would have been in person. So what was the experience like doing that in Cali? So I think we were fortunate that we didn't have to change our um, sleeping times or just because of the time zone was easy, but it has its pros and cons. We're just grateful that we were in YC. You do feel slightly detached to most of the people in your batch and the partners, but it does give you more time to work on your business. So one thing I was curious about is is how strong YC's program is for consumer-facing applications. 
YC's had a lot of success over the years with many different startups, but there's been a theme of kind of B2B stuff in there. And so uh, from your perspective, how strong is the B2C side of YC? To be honest, it uh, definitely did not go up to the expectations that I had prior to coming in. As a consumer-facing company in a sea of SaaS companies, it was definitely very, very difficult to find other people experiencing the same issues, problems, blockers as us. And even partners that we had, they were really, really smart when it comes to offering advice, when it comes to fundraising and hiring and maybe culture and different things. But when it comes to actually our product or just like B2C stuff, it was fairly hard to get real accurate help in that sense. And even let's say resources. Interesting. So you, you felt like you ran into some issues that YC wasn't really equipped to directly help you with in the kind of process of building out Queenly. I mean, don't get me wrong, they did provide a lot of resources, but it does lean very heavily into SaaS. And you almost feel like as a consumer facing company, it's like you almost feel left out of some of the talks because the talks are for like SaaS companies or B2B initiatives, right? right? But one thing that I was very, very curious about when I was reading up on Queenly and just prepping for our our quick conversation was the impact of of COVID-19 on what you guys are building. Because my first thought was that, you know, with people stuck at their homes and, you know, I'm currently wearing fuzzy slippers and shorts because it's comfortable. People wouldn't have quite such a demand for dresses, frankly. But according to, you know, our coverage of Queenly, it seems that people were buying dresses just to wear them at home and feel more participatory in in fashion and self-expression. So I was curious if you can talk us a little bit about the growth curve of the company during 2020, because I'm just fascinated by uh, your story. Oh, yeah. So we definitely thought we were going to die last year. Like, no lie. I mean, no one knew what was going to happen. And a lot of businesses did die off last year. COVID was just so unexpected. When it hit in March, this is when we literally just closed our first round of fundraising or pre-seed. And this is a time when we're supposed to grow and keep our investors updated on our great growth, right? March definitely it halted a lot of things. So this is when we regrouped and we were like, okay, so first of all, we can't push demand right now. So we're like, let's focus on supply. More people have more time at home to clean out their closets. And also with COVID, it reinforced the need to go online to most traditional brick and mortar businesses. So this was, I would say, the biggest blessing in disguise for us due to COVID. We focused on supply. We were able to grow our supply to exceed uh, Rent the Runway and Macy's formal dress supply as of last year. But just to kind of summarize, you worked on the supply side of things, grew it greatly, and then it sounds like demand followed as supply grew. Yeah, yeah. I think when it comes to this kind of vertical specifically, you win if you have the most supply. Well, looking forward to hearing more about that. But uh, one last question before I let you go, which is advice for startups in the future who are going to be going through a remote accelerator, YC, 500, whatever it is. What would you do differently if you were going back through the process again that might help another founder going through this for the first time have the best possible experience? Well, I think on the social aspect of things, I wish that I would have gotten to open up earlier to my batchmates, that I wasn't able to do that till the latter half of the batch. So it it definitely helps with the camaraderie and having like long-term, you know, founder friends, that makes sense. Um, But I think the second thing that I'd love to point out or suggest is that most founders going into YC or an accelerator program, they tend to have a very idealistic expectation that YC will do everything for them. And that's not necessarily the case. 
most people see YC as like the end and end like goal that once you make it, like you are that successful YC founder. But this is like just another stepping stone closer to hitting your milestones. And for us, we saw that in terms of resources, no one's going to tell you, hey, do you need this resource? I have it for you. You have to go into like our internal, I guess it's called Bookface, YC Bookface, and look for resources yourself. No one is going to give you your investors. You have to go out there and produce really good metrics and make the most out of the three months of the program because this is where you will have the most help, the most resources, and, and it's right there in front of you. Just, you know, you have to go out and get it. That is our show, but we are very, very lucky to have our own Jordan Crook here to tell us a little bit about our upcoming early stage event that I am incredibly excited about. So Jordan, at a high level, what is early stage and how is it different from other kind of tech crunch events that people might know of? So unlike other tech crunch events, we don't have a main stage at early stage. It's all breakout sessions all the time. So we have experts across fundraising, marketing, operations, essentially any question that your startup might have asked to be successful, these folks have the answer and they're going to have plenty of time for audience Q&A. Awesome. And uh, I'm going to be doing a session with Ryan Azis, the CRO of Zoom, all about how to build a startup sales team. I'm very, very, very excited about that. Uh, Jordan, tell us more. Who else is coming? The lineup is insane, dude. So we have Tope Otona. He's the CEO and founder of Calendly. He's going to be nice. talking about bootstrapping, which he did very, very successfully up until recently. We also have Alexa Von Tobel talking about finance for founders, not just how to run your company's finances, but how to manage your own personal finances while you're starting a business, which I think is super, super important. Uh, we also have keys to nailing product market fit with Rahul Vora uh, from Superhuman. It should be just an outstanding lineup, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We have a couple of sweeteners that we have in the mix with Jordan. Tell people in the equity audience what we have for them. So if you buy a ticket to early stage, you automatically get access to Extra Crunch. So it's kind of a double whammy when it comes to things startup founders need to know. And we're offering our equity audience a 20% discount. So if you use code equity at checkout when you're buying your early stage ticket, you're going to get the most bang for your buck. All right. Well, it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. So we'll see you all there. TechCrunch early stage coming in April. It's going to be amazing. All right. Bye.